Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. Dustin here, and this is uh, an impromptu episode, uh, episode number 98 uh, with Stacey Oliver Skikorsky. Uh, she's returning to the podcast uh, for a timely, uh, and, and certainly an unfortunate sense, a timely episode about uh, workplace uh, bullying, uh, kind of just bullying in general uh, in the student affairs world. Uh, so we go into a little explanation of what was the impetus for this episode and what wanted, uh, made us want to talk about it. And um, certainly uh, kind of just glossing over the uh, nuances of what happened as the inspiration for this, but talks, uh, we talk more about um, kind of just in a broad sense how it happens on campuses uh, all the time for student affairs professionals, why that is and what we can do about it. Um, and uh, just a little behind the scenes, uh, just humbly sharing uh, this authentic uh, behind the scenes stuff. Uh, so I am recording this uh, intro and I recorded this episode while I'm on the road uh, because there were some other technical difficulties that uh, prevented our other episode that should have been going out this week uh, from coming out. Uh, rest assured, the episode will still get out or we're just going to record again with the guest uh, and try and uh, hopefully not have any uh, other technical difficulties. But uh, the audio on my end sounds a little bit spotty. Uh, there's a little bit of a weird sound with it, um, but I wanted this episode to get out so badly. Um, we've kind of accepted some technical difficulties with past episodes, and I, I wanted to do that for this one too. So um, do not let uh, my uh, poor audio uh, detract from uh, the quality and good stuff that's in this episode. It's a very important topic, and uh, Stacy goes into a lot of great insights and uh, talks about some great resources, which we'll have in the uh, show notes uh, as usual. So um, I appreciate your patience and understanding, and I appreciate you listening to this episode. And uh, yeah, so without further ado, uh, after this brief message, uh, this is episode number 98, Stacy Oliver Skikorsky. In anticipation of the upcoming launch of the college guidebook, First Year Student of First Year Success, that comes from our friends at Swift Kick and our fearless leader, Tom Kugelstein. We're going to have quick interviews with Tom that go into the process of writing, editing, and publishing your own book. So these are going to go up to the launch of the book on March 29th, uh, and they're going to be really awesome. So I hope you enjoy. So I really like the unique and interactive format of this book. How did you come up with that? Yeah, well, we knew going into it, we didn't want to have another book with just a bunch of words. And we wanted it to be interactive and almost like this this like guidebook that the student could, could open up to at any moment. And so the first step was we actually visited uh, Barnes & Noble. And just I, I walked through and was looking at the, the books that were there and sort of piecing through. And uh, Rain Wilson has a great book that was very interactive, had lots of visuals big words, small words, quotes, um, uh, research, and so like that felt good. So then we started creating the concept off of that. Then we outlined it, and then we started to draft it and piece it together uh, bit by bit. Great. Yeah, I think people are really going to enjoy it. It's something pretty cool. You can look forward to the launch of the upcoming book, First Year Student to First Year Success, coming out on March 29th. For more information, check out studentaffairscollective.org or swiftkickhq.com. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Did I see that you're traveling today? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that's why, like, I, 
<laughs> and like full kind of like authenticity and stuff. So I'm like, I'm traveling and, um, yeah, like I said, we had like the technical difficulties for the episode that's supposed to go up. Um, and I had, you know, if all was going well, I was going to have it like edited and everything ready to go, uh, ahead of time. But, um, yeah, I was just like reaching out to people, sort of just like planning ahead. Cause I was like, oh man, we messed up this week. Let me just make sure I get guests lined up for the, uh, sorry, consecutive weeks or the following weeks and stuff. So, um, I don't know, like, I just felt like it was very, like, you know, kind of serendipity or whatever, you know, that you were available. And I was like, oh, maybe I could get it, like, to go up. And like, Mom, I'm traveling. And, like, I'm traveling with my partner. And I was like, like, is it okay? Like, it's just, like, you know, 30, 40 minutes, like, an hour at most. I can just, like, record this really quick. But um, so I don't have my usual setup. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's just in the one hand of, like, being able to keep the schedule going. And also with it being timely, it was just, like... Yeah, I just felt like I wanted to jump on here and chat for a little bit about this and yeah. um, kind of fill in. And because uh, we had a really good streak going, like I messed up once in like the the first season, like when when we talked to you in 2014. Um, there was like an earlier episode um, in that year that uh, I don't know what happened to this one, but that one back then it just like the file got corrupted and I lost it and I had to record with the person again, but we lost that. Uh, that week's episode and this one it was it was just weird I don't know what happened it was, it was so frustrating but um, you're kind of you're being my savior here uh, a little bit awesome. so I definitely appreciate it no problem um, happy to do it yeah um, I guess we'll just start off before we get into the uh, the thick of it uh, if you just want to introduce yourself uh, give kind of a brief uh, history of how you got to be where you are today you obviously gave it before um, and I guess if you just want to highlight anything maybe that is uh changed since you were last on the show which was back in december of 2014 so if oh, you can man. think of anything that's, that's happened nothing has changed that's embarrassing <laughs> no, yeah i got like uh yeah so you just kind of want to give the, the kind of the cliff notes version of uh, uh your professional story of how you got to be where you are today and then we'll get into all the other stuff Sure. I'm the Associate Director of Residence Life at Lake Forest College for Student Success. Um, in my role, I oversee housing operations and assignments. I also work with student conduct, student success initiatives, and academic programming. So it's a little bit of a hodgepodge. Uh, my path in residence life has actually been fairly traditional, surprisingly. Um, I was an RA in undergrad and really enjoyed it until my senior year when I decided that I needed to be free and quit my job to live in an apartment with a bunch of other former RA. So you can imagine how well that went. Um, and then I was a grad assistant in student activities. I did both my undergrad and grad at Ohio University. I loved student activities, had such a positive experience there. And for a brief time, thought that's where I would end up and job searched in that area. Uh, but felt the call to return back to residence life. I spent four years as a residential learning coordinator at Valparaiso University in Valparaiso, Indiana, a small private Lutheran university, um, and really got my roots and residence life there and started my connection uh, professionally. My supervisor at the time was very involved professionally and helped me get connected to others and get involved in organizations. From there, I went to Indiana University South Bend as the assistant director of residence life. I was there when they opened housing for the very first time ever in 2008, which was the most incredible professional experience of my life, um, and spent about three years at IU South Bend before transitioning over here to Lake Forest College, which is a small private liberal arts college on the north shores of Lake Michigan. Very cool. Yeah, that's a great uh, quick synopsis of it. Yeah, you've, been, you've got like a, a nice long career and, uh, you know, working in different places and housing and stuff. And, um, you know, uh, you bring all of that experience and all that uh 
you know, your insights and uh, in student affairs. Um, so this episode is kind of a, a current event uh, response. Uh, and um, again, kind of before we get into some of the more meaty chunks of stuff, um, just so for anybody who may not be aware of what we're responding to, um, uh, if you would do the honors of just kind of giving another brief synopsis, a brief summarization, uh, I don't think that's a word, but um, uh, about what we're kind of responding to. This, this episode's about, you know, bullying and having people have voices and um, uh, things like that. So we're responding to something that happened in uh, the Student Affairs Professional Facebook groups. So if you just want to highlight uh, uh, what that was real quick, and then we'll, we'll kind of, we'll talk about it, we'll process it. Yeah, last week, um, I believe on Friday, Tony D'Angelo, who is affiliated with Collegiate Empowerment, or was at the time, I don't know if he still is, posted a link to a podcast he recorded for student affairs professionals in the Student Affairs Professionals Facebook group, which is a huge group, mm -hmm. um, tens of thousands of people in that group. And I, to be honest, I don't even know who discovered it or how they discovered it, but around the 13-minute mark, there was a pretty overt yet thinly veiled jab at Craig Bitteman, who's a recent graduate of a higher education program, just started a new job at UMass Boston as a wellness coordinator. Um, and it, the jab from Tony felt a little unnecessary or a lot unnecessary. Mm -hmm. um, it seemed to be unprovoked in many ways. It was just an what could have been an offhand comment about anyone, but it was very specific to traits of Craig and his... Um, job search experience as well as the artwork that he produces and puts out into the world so bravely and so beautifully as well. Um, there was an immediate and pretty obvious backlash in that Facebook group with people commenting, several people, probably more than several, requesting that Tony be banned from the group and blocked from the group. Um, Tom Kriegelstein and Alex Fields, who managed the group, actually decided um, that Tony's post should stay in consultation with Craig, who felt that it was important that it start a conversation. So the post remains and has hundreds of comments on it at this point. Um, it appears that the podcast has been removed, though I know there are several people who say they've downloaded it for posterity. Um, Collegiate Empowerment issued an apology during the weekend, though Craig, the last I heard, had not heard directly from Tony or Collegiate Empowerment himself. It was a general apology um, issued on behalf of the company. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just so people understand too, uh, things change. Uh, it all has kind of been happening um, pretty quickly, but uh, we're recording this on uh, Monday, March 7th. And uh, if people <laughs> listen to it in the future, I'm sure things might have changed uh, when you're listening to this episode, but uh, we're kind of responding to uh, the present time and the information we have uh, at this moment. And um, yeah, I wanted to to bring you on to talk about it. I mean, it's sort of more of a larger scope and kind of just like the um, what this sort of almost like a case study, like what does it sort of represent um, like other themes in the field? And um, you were just one of the kind of prominent people that um, kind of came out in support of Craig and uh, you wrote about it on your site and uh, we'll link over to that post. And um, there, yeah, there was like so many people that uh, came out to support Craig and uh obviously just did not appreciate you know, like that kind of sort of overt but kind of thinly veiled uh, jab at him. Um, and yeah, so you, you wrote about kind of, you know, just bullying in student affairs is just this kind of more, uh, this broader theme that this, uh, this event kind of embodied. So um, you, got a, you gave a, a story in that blog post. Um, I'm just curious from your perspective, 
how do you feel that like bullying is sort of this kind of blanket term, uh, you know, in the workplace for student affairs professionals? How does it typically take shape? Because it, 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 I feel like it could be, you know, more more subtle in certain ways and more overt in other ways for you know uh, different things. I guess just maybe any more examples, or if you kind of want to, um, you know, kind of summarize your uh, your story of kind of how it happened for you. Sure. Um, so the story I wrote about was an experience where I was actually being bullied by a group of subordinates um, who were making false claims to human resources, knowingly false claims to human resources, and to my supervisor at the time. Um, they had challenges in their relationship with me, and I'll agree that that was two-sided, um, but their response of choice was to sort of rally the troops and to make it um, difficult for me to come to work and difficult for me to do my job um, because of the false allegations. They were um, also pretty heavily working to align people with their position and to keep people away from me or to make it clear that I wasn't welcome in certain groups on campus. They were also talking about me with students and encouraging students to make false allegations against me. So it was just a really tense situation and uh, one that resolved itself, thankfully. Um, I was fortunate that way. There are so many people in similar situations who still have to go to work every day and face their bullies or face the groups of people who are bullying them. I, I've done a little bit of reading on this since this all unfolded over the weekend. And one of the things I found is that it appears that it's most common that this happens from a supervisor or from a peer. Um, and in many cases, people don't realize it's happening to them. Uh, that's been the overwhelming response personally to me in my blog post is people reaching out privately or even in the comments of that post to say that until they read the link that I pushed them over to that describes the early stages of bullying and how to identify that it's happening to you, they didn't realize it had happened to them or was happening to them. Um, there was some pushback within the group as there always is, which is good for healthy conversation, but there was some pushback that maybe this is just natural conflict. And I think there's a pretty distinct line between natural conflict and bullying and that there's an opportunity to do some education of our student affairs staff members, not only because it's happening in our workplace to us and to our colleagues, because it's also happening to our students. So we should be able to recognize the difference between conflict and bullying to help those students with whom we work. Yeah. Because um, I think even for me, like, I, it was hard to, like, I guess, get my head around, like, workplace bullying. So I think that term would imply to me, like, some people would think that it's, like, you know, because you think of, like, bullies, like, with, you know, kids in like elementary school or something where it's just like oh they're like tripping you in the hallways or like you know messing with you that way or like you know throwing stuff at you or something but I think it you know workplace bullying and I don't know if there's like a better word for it like my perception is that it's like people are sort of you know making your job harder for no good reason you know or like sort of very much kind of interpersonal bias where it's like I don't like you and I'm gonna do things to sort of keep you out of the loop or you know yeah make things harder for you or um, sort of retaliate against you if it's like, oh, you gave, you know, uh, bad feedback to a supervisor or something, so now we're going to kind of stonewall you or something. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like it kind of takes shape that way. But um, and I don't know, I guess this is the thing that I think I, I'd really, uh, I'm really curious to kind of hear what you think and kind of get into a little bit more. Um, so we know kind of what it looks like. What do you think causes this? Like, why do, why do people treat each other this way? I mean, because, you know, most people would think, you know, people who are student affairs professionals are, you know, kind of naturally empathetic. They, they care about their students and, um, you know, they just kind of have a, 
I guess I would assume, and I guess that's that's the problem is you know assuming things are just like you would think that they'd be people who wouldn't do this. So uh, I guess what do you, what do you feel like is the cause of this sort of workplace bullying that goes on in college campuses with student affairs professionals specifically? I think there's a few things. Insecurity, I think, always plays a big role in something like this, where somebody isn't sure where they stand or feels like their voice isn't being heard. And then rather than addressing it proactively or having a conversation with someone, they start acting out. And it becomes more of a um, an attempt to humiliate someone or um, to make them look like they're not doing their job or to feel controlled. Um, I, I don't think people always realize that they're doing it when they're doing it either, um, which complicates it because certainly we can say, yeah, people are really empathetic to their students, which is true. But those same people might not have the same tolerance or the same patience with a coworker who they have expectations of. Um, there's also certainly a racial component to this. And as well, women are more likely to be bullied in the workplace um, than men are. Laura Peschetti posted a great journal article today. I hope we can link to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and this article actually reflects on bullying and higher education. And the authors did some research on the types of bullying that happens, what causes it, and who's most likely to be victims of it. And also give some proactive approaches to how to address it if you are being bullied in the workplace, especially within higher ed, which is nice. There's so few resources um, out there specific to higher ed on this topic that this article, I think, is really helpful for people. Um, but I think... Based on the stories that I've heard and the stories that people have shared with me, even in the past two days, which has been an overwhelming number of messages, um, which is great. I'd love to keep getting these messages because it's nice to have a support network. Um, It really seems to root in insecurity. Someone in the office culture just doesn't know where they fit in or they feel like their power is being threatened. And so they start taking power away from other people with whom they work. Yeah, that's a really good point you said about... um sort of the uh, racial, gender, you know, like all that kind of stuff, I think definitely does play into it. Cause that, that is typically, you know, how uh, I feel like bullying does take shape. It's just like, hey, you, you're different. You know, we don't like that. So we're going to, you know, give you a hard time about it. So if you don't, you know, you don't fit in, then uh, sort of the the majority or the person, you know, yeah, because it, it, yeah, it could even work out either way if it's like sort of, everybody is kind of one way and then the one person who doesn't fit in they kind of bully them to try and make them assimilate to the majority or it could be yeah the one person who's kind of outnumbered then sort of bullies other people because yeah they're feeling insecure and they don't feel uh, they don't feel like they fit in with the majority so i feel like it could take shape of you know either or um and yeah i mean my my thought and i guess it kind of plays into the insecurity thing too is just how you know i think very broadly on a very macro sense there's uh you know just like so much of an innate competitiveness like in our culture and i think uh i think people just feel that a lot um i don't i guess maybe not more so on a uh you know a college campus or in student affairs or anything but there's just that idea that you have to like cut other people down to get ahead versus um you know i kind of I'm just like the optimist, I'm the positive, you know, I feel like a very positive person of just, you know, rising tide lifts all ships sort of thing of just like, um, you know, we can all kind of do better by working together and helping each other and all that kind of stuff. But um, you raise a really good point. It's yeah. not specific to college campuses. And that was some of the commentary 
with the blog post too was this isn't specific to higher ed or student affairs. And I know that I would never claim that it is. I think we often fall into that trap of victimizing our field more than it needs to be. Um, Other people serve in on-call roles and other people work long hours and have difficult, highly political job searches. What's interesting though, is that we are people who should be able to respond to this type of situation. And for me, that's what feels like it's different. My husband works in IT. He is not trained to address issues like this. If it happened in his workplace, he would probably talk to me about it before he would do anything else. Um, And so that's what feels off for me. We're a group of people who should know how to respond to this and should know better when we see it happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point, too. Because, yeah, like you said, like, there's a difference between sort of like conflict and kind of conflict resolution and that whole sort of thing um, versus bullying, which could be just very like kind of pervasive in uh, an office or department or something. And um, yeah, you would think that (laughs) you would think because it really is pretty much a certainty, like objectively that we do have uh, the skills to solve this because we're, we're doing it for students who are, young adults like they're not we're not doing it in like a way where it's like oh it's not really applicable because we're helping like two you know second graders kind of figure out their squabbles about you know (laughs) who gets to use a toy or something it's like no we're like working through real issues of like you know people who are having issues with a you know somebody from a different background or uh you know just not communicating well and it's like that it could directly correlate to the types of you know, issues that would cause people to get just so frustrated or feel so insecure or, you know, feel as though doing something akin to, you know, workplace bullying would be their only uh, kind of course of action to, you know, get somebody out of the organization that doesn't fit in or something or to get ahead. They need to, you know, cut people down and stuff. But um, so we're going to kind of segue into, you know, this is kind of this is kind of tough negative stuff of uh, kind of talking about the realities of uh, you know workplace bullying, what it looks like, and uh, where it's coming from. And I think you're you're doing something uh, that we'll we'll get to that is kind of something that we can do to uh, work to remedy this. Uh, but just in general, what do you feel like uh, the people who are listening to give them something actionable? Hopefully, uh, what can we do to? Uh, remedy is the kind of this stuff that's going on. What can you do to hopefully stop it or at least maybe um, kind of shine a light on it? Familiarizing yourself with the signs of bullying is absolutely the first step, not only for yourself, but to also help coworkers who maybe are going through this and don't realize it or don't know how to take action themselves. One of the things I suggested in my blog post as well was familiarizing yourself with options on campus for reporting. When I was going through the situation, I used human resources pretty heavily, not because I wanted them to take action, but because I wanted to document the situation. And that's an option that many people don't realize that they have is that HR is a confidential resource for you, even just to talk through a situation and how you want to address it, if you want to address it. They're not required to take action. They would wait for a cue from you to do that. And so they're a really good place to go and process what's happening and talk about whether this is bullying or whether this is just conflict and how you could address it regardless of what they think. Um, And so that's obviously an option. If your campus has an ombuds person, that's available for faculty and staff to use as well. And they're a good impartial resource again. Um, So there are a lot of options out there for reporting and connecting. Um, The articles that we're going to share, I think, provide some really good information, not only on how to recognize the signs, but what to do um, if you are a victim of bullying or if you know someone who is in the workplace and how you can intervene and how you can then sustain a more positive office or departmental or college culture um, to improve once the situation has ended or resolved. Mm. 
yeah, that's a, that's a really good tip. So I, I think, um, yeah, just like the confidentiality is really good. So like utilizing HR people where it's, you know, it's, <laughs> that's what they're there for. Um, to definitely be a, a big help for this. Um, and I, I think, like I was kind of alluding to, uh, one thing that I think is is helpful just in a in a more uh, macro sense with uh, some of the things that you're sharing in your uh, blog series about uh, women in housing is you know is just shining that light in the very broad sense that people start these conversations and uh, realize that they're not alone or yeah, it's like getting out sort of awareness and getting out good information um, so that they could do something on their own campus of like okay, maybe I should go talk to my uh, human resources person. So yeah, so just uh, tell me a little bit more about uh, the Women in Housing uh, blog series that you're doing, kind of just where it came from and what you'd hope to achieve with it. Sure. Um, so March is Women's History Month, and I thought that would be a great time to gather women to share their stories and their experiences working in housing and residence life, uh, which I really only chose that particular functional area because that's a functional area that I work in. Um, but it, it seems like we haven't necessarily given a platform for women to share those experiences. And based on my own history working in the field, I know that the experience of women is different than that of men. I've always been supervised by men in the field, um, which has been an interesting adventure. So I wanted to open up an opportunity for women to talk about issues that they're facing in the workplace or personally as it relates back to their work. Um, I opened the call for authors in probably mid-February and had more than 60 women respond. Um, it's shaken out to be about... 30 women sharing their stories. Aku Hawaii was very excited about this when they saw it and reached out to me and asked if there was an opportunity to collaborate as well. So throughout the month of March, posts are being featured on my website every day, and then five different posts are being featured once a week on Thursdays on the Aku Hawaii website. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and I'll see uh, our recording. This just the uh, beginning of March. So we've uh, seen just a few of them, but they've all been really great so far. And uh, like I said, I think it just it is one of those things, just kind of providing a voice and a platform for people to uh, talk about the things that they're dealing with. And you know, uh, obviously, they're just going to help people in so many ways of just kind of normalizing things and um, uh, hopefully just giving people information to uh, if they're having any sort of issues on uh, their own campus, uh, they kind of feel inspired to. Uh, you know, just make those things better. So, um, yeah, I just look forward to all the uh, other blog posts that are uh, going to be coming out for the rest of the month. And um, yeah, I think that's just the thing that people uh, kind of can do about this uh, broad issue of workplace bullying is like sharing their story, you know, that can help other people and just sort of uh, ripple out uh, and kind of just hopefully have people just be in a better place to not do this to each other at all. Hopefully this, you know, could be a thing where people are just, you know, kind of, accept it, you know, it's just like kind of built into training or something or for, for uh, professional staff members to understand of, um, what this is, you know, <laughs> that they just shouldn't do it, but if it is happening, how to address it and resolve it in a positive way. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, we've noted a couple of different uh, resources already, but anything else that you just want to highlight is stuff that people can uh, check out about this topic? Yeah, there's a uh, women in housing community in the Aku Hawaii online community for anyone who's a member of Aku Hawaii. And if you're not sure if you're a member, uh, your chief housing officer or senior housing officer would be able to tell you. Memberships are institutional, not individual. So um, you might be surprised to find out that you are a member. Uh, that women in housing community is a really robust place for women to engage on some of the topics that are also being featured on the website. Um, there's also a women in housing Facebook page where much conversation takes place as well. Um, and I think we covered the bullying resources pretty well and I will make sure that I send you those. 
Yeah, great. Um, so I guess I mean yeah, we've talked about we've talked about a lot already, um, and uh, we'll uh, end this episode as we always do, uh, just with, with whatever uh, final thoughts that you'd like to end the episode with. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. This is like Jerry Springer final. <laughs> just, yeah, just yeah, your little like a uh, testimonial or whatever. At the end. I, I guess my final thought is that I hope people continue to be brave and share their voices in spaces where we need to hear them, whether it is challenging the norms and challenging what's happening in our profession or contributing your narrative and your story when there's an opportunity to do that. The only way that we will understand one another and be able to work together as a field is by listening to each other and hearing each other's stories. Absolutely. That, that's a perfect way to end this. Because um, I think, yeah, that's kind of just this episode was inspired by like a, you know, a real story, something that somebody really went through. And uh, I think it's going to get better, like you said, just by people uh, talking about it and um, sharing their experiences. So uh, I appreciate you sharing your experiences and sharing your insights and uh, making time for this uh, timely episode of, of the podcast here. And um, yeah, just thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was great to talk to you again. Yeah. All right. Have a good rest of your day and I'll uh, talk to you later. Thanks. You too, Dustin. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to help us out, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher or iTunes, or just share out the show so other people can find all the cool stuff we talk about every single week. Again, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast.